Hello, and welcome to the Vlogging Pod. Tonight, we are joined by Lisa Rosenberg. <laughs> welcome to the room, Lisa. How are you this evening? I'm doing fine, and it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me on. Oh, it's nice to have you here. I would love to start right off and talk about you being a psychotherapist. Can you give us a little bit about your career? Well, sure. Um, I am a licensed clinical social worker and I specialize in, you know, a lot of women's issues, um, racial identity, um, a, a lot of issues that, that uh, pertain to the lives of women of color. Uh, also have worked with uh, adolescents, transracial adopted uh, adults and kids. Um, right now, my focus is kind of on, you know, developmental trauma, kind of, in, you know, understanding the way the traumas we've experienced in our past impact our current functioning. And I would say most of my clients are, you know, women in their adult women in their kind of 40s, uh, and fifties. And, you know, there's a lot of processing, a lot of emotional stuff, but, um, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful career. That's quite a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that is a lot. So, yeah. and, and not mm -hmm. just the, uh, not just being a psychotherapist, from what I understand from your bio, you also did some ballet dancing. I did. That was my first career kind of, you know, I did the usual. I trained, you know, from the time I was about seven years old and, um, you know, all through all through high school. And I, I actually took some time off and went to college at the normal time, like back in the 80s, they kind of you you didn't go to college right after high school, you know, when you were mm -hmm. the ballet companies wanted you when you were kind of 17 and 18 and young enough to sort of um, get primed for the company and learn the rep and the style. And if you went away and went to college and you tried out for a ballet company when you were, you know, in your early 20s, you were considered old by then. Or if you went to a conservatory, that usually meant in those days that that maybe you hadn't gotten into a ballet company and maybe you were going to branch out into modern and other things like that. Whereas now I think we're a lot more open minded in the in the ballet world. You know, people go to college and do both. And I kind of did both, but I lied about my age. <laughs> graduated from college and said I was 18 and tried to go back into the ballet world. And I did briefly but i think once your eyes are sort of open and the ballet blinders like i call them are removed you kind of can't mm. go back so i i i stopped i only um danced for about four years after college mm -hmm. and then i taught and i was like well what do you do after you know a career you've had since you, you've had your eye on since you were seven and i i said well you write but what do you do while you're trying to be a writer. So I kind of, um, I, I had always loved people and their stories and um, how, how we become who we are based on our past and found my way into social work and psychotherapy. And, you know, it's, it's a flexible enough uh, career and lifestyle that it fits well with writing. But back in the day, it felt fit well with being a mom and raising children. So I was able to kind right. of, 
you know, I'm fortunate enough to have a partner and I was able to be a mostly home mom and I would schedule mm-hmm. my clients in the evenings on weekends and things like that. And now that my kids are big, it kind of uh, it makes room for, for writing. So, right. I, yeah, I can understand that. My, yeah. So you mentioned writing. Um, mm-hmm. Let me, let's shine a little bit of a light on an essay that was published in Long Reads. Tell me about that. Um, I published a few, which, which I was like, <laughs> there was the, um, the one about the, the wrong pair, which was about my boobs. And then there was, <laughs> there was another one called Brown Girl with Bubblegum that I also published in Long Reads about, and it, it was kind of about racial identity, but also about the meaning of being able to blow a bubble out of bubble gum when I was five years old. So I don't know which of those two you're, you're thinking well, about. Well, either or, either or, that would be great. I mean, either one you want, you wish okay. to talk a little bit more about. I would love that. Um, so why don't I, you know, I don't know how old our audience is, but why don't I start with Brown Girl with Bubble Gum, which was sort of as like long this- as. Yeah. As long as there isn't any deflammatory or oh, any cursing, no, no, we're good. No, no, <laughs> we're good. The wrong pair. <laughs> the wrong pair is about. Um, well, I'll. I'll t- the wrong pair would probably be a longer-winded conversation, just because it deals with um, a breast reduction surgery and my feelings about my boobs as a ballet dancer and how kind of the the racial identity piece in a very white world fits into it. But that's a long conversation. But Brown mm. Girl with Bubblegum is basically the story of, of the grail for me when I was five years old was to be able to blow a bubble out of bubblegum. And every every older kid I went to, I would ask them how to do it. And the thing is, it started with um, these, these ads. And there were these two very, like it was such an American girl thing. And the American girl in, you know, when I was five, which was 1971, is, is like, blonde blue-eyed riding a bicycle with her ponytails blowing in the wind blowing a big pink bubble out of bubble gum and i was never going to have long flowing blonde hair but darn it i was gonna blow bubbles out of bubble gum and i tried every you know those little uh dusty pink pieces of bazooka back then that came with comic and all that and i would try and try and try and the brown girl with bubble gum is sort of like how I finally, you know, I worked so hard and I had, um, you know, all these stumbling blocks, including a bully who told me my tongue was too small and it would never happen for me. Um, And I got excluded from a game with the big kids. And I thought, well, if I could blow a bubble with bubble gum, you know, I would just, then then they would, then they would see I'm one of them. And it didn't have to do with being white, but there was something about being a member. And when I finally did it, I was on the beach at Chappaquiddick, like two years after, uh, you know, Senator Kennedy and Mary Jo Ketney went up the bridge. Um, and so I, and on the beach of Chappaquiddick, I blew a bubble and it sailed through the air, landed in the sand, but it was still a bubble and it was proof. And I like saved it. My mom wrapped it in an alligator plastic bag and, and, I saved that bubble and it just meant something big to me, membership in, in American girlhood. So that was what that mm. essay was about. And then I went up to every adult I saw and I was like, Hey, guess what happened to Chappaquiddick? Mm-hmm. And people were like, are you kidding me? You, you, you know, you told this, this little kid what happened um, with, uh, you know, 
the story of Mary Jo Kopechny and, and Ted Kennedy and how they went off the bridge. Um, that was that <laughs> essay. And I don't know if that's the one right. you meant, but um, it, it, yeah. Right. Well, you, your psychology and what you try to do as far as development and for women of color mm -hmm. and everything, I think that that's commendable. Um, you see a lot of things that of different cultures, people, mm -hmm. you know what I mean, go through, um, mm -hmm. sure. like Native American. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. they are probably the most overlooked mm -hmm. um, individuals that have struggled since the time of, you know what I mean, <laughs> of colonization. Mm -hmm. So, and just to um, point out, um, my awesome assistant is also mm -hmm. Native American, and mm -hmm. she is phenomenal, phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And women in general, we still, we all struggle so much. Mm -hmm. And with that reference, I would yeah. love for you to tell us a little bit or a lot <laughs> about Embers on the Wind. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the main character of Embers on the Wind is this house, Whitaker House, which was a, uh, it was a safe house. It was a stop on the Underground Railroad and uh, freedom seeking formerly enslaved African-Americans passed through the root cellar on the way to Canada. Um, the house is based on, on a house that was owned by my stepfather-in-law. I mean, sorry, by my father-in-law, not my stepfather, by my father-in-law. And, um, I, I, and it was supposedly haunted by a ghost of a woman who'd been a freedom seeker who had died in the house. And I, Never met the ghost, but I always thought about her and what would she think of me, this 21st century black woman. So, so the book is about a, 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 20, a, formerly, a former stop on the Underground Railroad, this house that is now a 21st century Airbnb and vacation home. And something in the house calls to African-American women to come and kind of reconnect somehow with the spirits of you know of freedom seeking women who did not make it to canada who didn't make it any further than this house and perished on the grounds it's a novel in linked stories um and it addresses a lot of different issues of motherhood especially and the notion the legacy of of black mothers in this country and how our ties to our children were seen as as so um you know as as fragile enough that that your child could be sold away from you uh mm -hmm. not respected it was a business arrangement and the love of mothers was just discounted um right. and there are so so embers on the wind is set largely in the 21st century also a little bit in the 80s and 90s uh, eight, 19, 1980s, 1990s, but there's also a section in 1850 where uh, Clementine and her friend, little Annie, who has had, she's seen six of her sons sold away. And Clementine is pregnant with the child of her enslaver. And um, at a certain point in the story, Clementine, as she's giving birth, will kind of have a mind meld experience with a 21st century psychologist named Galen, who's at the house for Memorial Day weekend. 
and there the the present and the past kind of merge in sort of a terrifying yeah i i didn't think of it as a ghost story i didn't think of it as scary but there are ghosts who touch you know living modern people and there's something about that that is chilling that that we've come so far mm. in some ways and yet we haven't because you know for example galen mm. is married to a white man they have a very, very light skinned baby. And there's an awareness when she, you know, kind of walks with her fancy stroller through the streets of Brooklyn. Will someone think she's not the mother? Will someone question her connection to her own child? And, um, you know, there are a lot of questions like that in the book. Um, there are, um, you know, there are women who have dealt with trauma in the Berkshires for one reason or another and and have to return to kind of the scene to you know the the there's one therapist in the book named Calliope who is kind of very spiritual and you know works with the body she brings her clients to to a dance a women's kind of dance-a-thon to kind of you know reconnect with the body and she sends Michelle who is a client who is who was sexually abused as a child she sends her back to the scene, oh. you know, back to the mountains, to the Berkshire Mountains where it happened to mm -hmm. kind of pose for a life drawing class and and right. reclaim, reclaim her body, reclaim the narrative, reclaim the mountains for herself. So there's a lot of this stuff. And she actually winds up at the house too at a seance um, with her girlfriend. Um, <laughs> so there's so many, there are a lot of pieces, but the main character is kind of history this house and black womanhood black motherhood um right yeah so and i and i wrote it thinking about the relationship between this ghost and myself yeah. and what would she think of ah. me you know i have all these privileges i'm in the house with you know my, my husband is um is white and jewish and so is his family and at the time you know we would go all the time the house is now sold but we used to mm -hmm. go with my children and I would be the only black adult woman there. And I would kind of go downstairs at night and think, hey, is this ghost somewhere in the rafters? And <sighs> am I, you know, I thought like maybe she'll connect with me and say, hey, so how did it all turn out? All that stuff I fought for, right. you know, how did it all turn out? And we could talk, you know, I had this fantasy, <clears throat> like I could say like, look, things are good. I've got all this stuff and I'm here as a member of the family. And, you know, I was, uh, you know, pregnant a number of times in that house. And I remember, you know, ordering my husband around, can you get me this? Can you get me that? And what would she think of that? But then would she wonder, you know, I always would think, okay, so, and then where are the other black people? Are you the yeah. only one who's, so what is lost? You know, we've arrived here in this in this kind of, or, or, or at least I have, I'm in this 21st century place where mm. I have what I need. I have freedom. And yet do I worry that my, that someone is going to question that my light skinned son, it belongs to me. And is right. someone going to judge me, you, you know, unless I'm talking, are they going to believe that I don't belong where I live? Um, do I have to be extra careful and teach my son not to wear a hood when he's hanging out at the mall with mm. his friends like all of these little things so that that have we arrived and there's a word a thread that goes through the through all the stories is kind of almost 
you know, almost. I, if I if I may, yeah, I don't course. I don't I don't think we have arrived, to be honest with you, because if mm -hmm. you actually look at what's going yeah. on in a lot of states and mm -hmm. how we're backpedaling, not just on racial rights, oh, women's yeah. rights. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, seriously, I mean, I think I, absolutely. And and but but that almost is like an illusion. Like there are moments where you're like, ah, I'm here. And then, mm -hmm. you know, for example, there's one scene where Kay, who is another affluent black woman, you know, she is chasing after uh, another woman to kind of warn her about something that's happened and that she a vision she's had about her. And she slips in the dirt and she's got this posh $3 million brownstone and, and she slips in the street, smudges her coat and she's sitting in the street and the realtor who sold her her $3 million brownstone steps over her with another couple, snorts mm. and says, oh, we hardly ever see that sort of thing in this neighborhood. And instantly, so, so what you're saying, no, we haven't because all it takes is a smudge on her coat and mm -hmm. she's, and she is no higher than if she had been enslaved yes. so you know like she she lost <clears throat> it's so tenuous in other words whatever we've what where where we've arrived you know is an illusion sometimes it's not even an illusion um you know as right. we learned learned today an 11 year old boy uh called the police and you know his mother told him call the police this is just just saw this in the paper, I don't know uh, if you saw it today. He was 11 years old. Uh, an ex-boyfriend of his mother's showed up, you know, violent. The mother said, "Please call the police." The little boy called the police, and he opens the door. Basically, the cop shoots him, even though he did everything. Oh he had God. his hands up, and he's he survived. He was released, but but only by a miracle because the he was shot in the chest. Um, so yeah. it's like there that 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 happens every day. You know, so, yeah. so where where exactly have we arrived? Right. You know, I, I, do I in my opinion, mm -hmm. in my honest opinion, I don't yeah. think we have. I mean, if you watch mm -hmm. news and you you see right. where some southern states are trying to change their rights to mm -hmm. take um, rights of black men and women away. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I don't yeah. my brain just can't fathom. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I sit back and yeah. I'm thinking we're taking a hundred steps back in rights of, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It, it, yeah. it makes no sense to me. And, and again, mm -hmm. we already know about women rights, about how those are so diminishing now. Absolutely. You can probably tell where you, I probably given my whole political views here. Right that's going to statement. <laughs> right. And so, so if you look at, if you mm -hmm. look at my, my background and the way I talk and the way I talk like this. Remember, so mm -hmm. I came up through the ballet world where, you know, yeah. you're, you're, if someone yells at you in Russian, you nod your head and try your best to do it. Anyway, I don't speak Russian. You, you nod your head to authority, no matter what gender or color right. authority is. And then finding my voice as a therapist, there mm -hmm. are times, you know, as a therapist, I, you know, one of the first things you learn is you don't express your judgment. You don't yeah. tell people what to do. You allow them to find their own answers by saying, I wonder what that was like. Tell me more mm -hmm. about that. I'm hearing you say, you reflect that. So, you know, there are clients I've been seeing for, you know, 20 years and they know me very well and I do use humor in my practice. And I'm like, come on, I know you better than that. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll be myself, but mm -hmm. I, I do have to put things 
in an artful way, you know, especially if I've, I've done, I don't have any couples right now, but I've done a lot of family therapy and couples therapy. And I know if you lead in with a blanket statement or a judgment or an opinion, someone's going to shut down and stonewall you. Yeah. And you're, you're not going to get very far in the conversation. So I think different people have different roles, but if I can communicate in a way that people can see this is really a problem. You know, I've, I've gotten reviews on my book, you know, from black women saying, yes, this is what I, this is what I go through every damn day. And then I've also had a lot, like a, a shocking number of reviews from white readers, mm -hmm. mostly women, of course, because yeah. mm -hmm. I don't see a lot of men writing reviews on, <laughs> on, on Goodreads, but right. a lot of reviews from white women saying, I have never thought about white privilege in this way before. And mm -hmm. I didn't set out to write a book about white privilege that spoon feeds a white person like what this means. And that's mm -hmm. not what I did. Remember, I the the first woman I ever loved and the woman I've loved most of my entire life was my mother who is white and who, mm -hmm. but also who parented in this way that like white moms of black kids in the 60s parented like, I always say parenting with their elbows, like who's a racist, get out of my kid's way. Um, like yeah. they, they, they were <laughs> beyond woke. So my mom had such a sense of like, you know, anything that went wrong with me, my mom would be like, that's because they're racist. <laughs> and I'd be like, can you let me learn this on your own? And, and if anything, I reacted the other way, like maybe they're not, maybe. So, yeah. um, but that said, you know, the way I describe it, and maybe I describe it from a place of, of class privilege, mm -hmm. you know, from, from, from class privilege, you know, what a, a woman with a $3 million brownstone with a smudge on her coat is suddenly homeless in the eyes of the realtor who sold her the, the brownstone. And like, there are a lot of women who, you know, there are a lot of white women who can't afford $303 million brownstones. But mm -hmm. to see, oh, you know, thinking of somebody as somebody black as privileged and boom, it's gone in the blink of an eye because of her race, you know, mm -hmm. that that people see it. I, I, you know, that is something that it's a comment that I've seen a lot. This right. book kind of it sneaks up on you you know I can't speak for what it would be like to be white reading this book <laughs> uh, since I'm since I wrote it yeah. and I'm black um but to you know to to read it you know, I think it it's got like the frog in the frying pan approach Right. To, oh boy, you're identifying with this woman because she's got a brownstone. I've got a brownstone. She lives in Park Slope. I live in Park Slope. Her kids go to Taekwondo. So do mine. Oh, her realtor thinks she's homeless. Yeah. And, and so, you, like, it, it's a different, yeah. You have and a unique perspective. Yeah. Yeah. You have a unique. Yeah. Sorry. Right. You have a unique mm -hmm. perspective on it because, like I said, you said your mother was um, of white persuasion and your mm -hmm. husband is as well and mm -hmm. so you get to yeah. see the world maybe more on what there's but then being a black woman mm -hmm. you can understand the stereotype and why mm -hmm. sure. it's so damning to and to... i and i live it <laughs> yes I live yes it. i don't just understand yes. i live it Yes, exactly um, what I thing, exactly what I was saying, yeah. but it, <laughs> sure, sure, just, sure. yeah. And the other thing, but the other thing, and I, um, you know, the, the other thing, I'm also Jewish, 
and my mom and my mom was Jewish and my mom Mm -hmm. grew up Jewish in this country at a time where many of her teachers protected her by pretending she wasn't because she was Jewish at a time where, you know, it, it was the early 30s growing up in Chicago in a neighborhood that had a large German population. She was beaten up. You know, my dad grew up on the south side of Chicago around the same time. And my mom got beaten up for what she was more times Mm. than my dad ever did. So they had that uniting them. Uh, My husband is also Jewish. So it's not that they, they, their whiteness, and I know there are plenty of white people who do not consider Jews white. And so it's a different, and I think, so there's, there in Embers on the Wind, Kay's husband is, is Jewish and also Maxine, a different character is also Jewish. And they're, they experience whiteness differently yeah. in a different way. Like even Maxine notices like the Connecticut blonde family, they come waltzing into her Airbnb and she has this sense of like, Maxine had been blonde but it was always an apologetic kind of bottle blonde. It was different from the the Connecticut blonde. Like it, it's just like a different experience of it. And also Andy believes that he gets a pass because his ancestors never enslaved anybody. They came in, in the early 20th century to escape the pogroms in, in uh, Russia. So it's like a different, it's a different white. Right. And, and um, which is, but it's all, all complicated. And I try, I don't address it a lot in, in Embers. I address it more, I think, in the book I'm working on now, which I'm not allowed to talk about. <laughs> okay. But in, I had like, a different, I had a different yeah. question set yeah. um, okay. available here, but we've kind of went over our time, okay. but I don't, I don't want to let you go quite yet, if you don't mind. Sure. Um just be simply because the book has mm-hmm. so much depth. It really does. It has so much depth. And I think yeah. it's very relevant in today. Well, it would have been relevant 10, 12, 15 years ago as well, or or even sooner or later in our lives. Mm-hmm. But now because of everything that you see so much more so, or maybe because it's social mm-hmm. media, social media social does media. put a, yes, yeah. puts a bigger spotlight on these issues and it's you just can't sure. get away from it. You can't bury we your head in sand have, from it. We all have a constant audience and we all yes. are constantly a member of somebody else's <laughs> audience. Yes. Yeah. So based on based on your book, um, and let me read um hold on, I get wrong mouse on my three computers in here, wrong mouse. Okay. <laughs> I Embers of you're doing the reading glasses <laughs> thing. Yeah. No, no, no. It's oh a getting God. close to that, but no. Yeah. Um over 50 now embers of the wind is the book for anyone who is on on the wind yeah on the wind sorry embers on embers on the wind is the book and it talks a lot about um what we were just talking about with the race and have we moved ahead and i think Mm -hmm. that that's very it just to me speaks to volumes to me and you say you have another book coming um, based on today's and even your work as a psychologist of what you do, do you think that you would touch base with this type of book again to reach out and help more? No. Along that line? I mean, no, no. I, okay. I, that's a qualified no. That's a qualified okay. no because I think here's the thing. To keep yourself doing this as an as a writer Mm-hmm. You need story, and the emphasis is the story, 
and the for me for me personally and the statement and the politics comes out of the story itself so i think this one i could do a little bit differently because it was kind of linked stories mm-hmm. but you know having a character arc like the the one that i am actually just outlined and just started writing it's you know there's so i can see you know the potential there's so much to say about race and privilege and um whose child who has the right to parent which child and um you know but that's not my focus the one that i sent to my agent which you know also focuses on i mean the the whole crux of it is a white mother leaves a child a white mother chooses not to parent a child because of his skin color Hmm. um and and you know she's she's 17 years old so she probably doesn't have it in her to parent anyway but like there there's a i'm not gonna not write about race right well i'm not gonna not uh, (laughs) i i think you have i think you Mm -hmm. have too elevate i'm sorry excuse me Mm -hmm. i think you have too elegant of a voice as far as your your writing to not to not talk about it it really because you have given not only empowerment to Mm -hmm. women of color but women in general Mm. and that takes a talent to do so oh well i wouldn't say it if i didn't mean it but my next the (laughs) the the next one the one that's done and and if it gets if that one comes out next because it's it's on um is it has a male protagonist but Mm -hmm. i think a, a, it still fits right i wish male, i had yeah. i wish i had a lot more time <laughs> yeah i wish we get that i know <clears throat> yeah, but because you have the editing button <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, yeah <laughs> that's all right i want to thank great. you yeah. i want to thank you so much for being on tonight i really do thank appreciate you, you coming so much and for having me Ari, and and i look forward to watching more of your episodes oh well thank really, you so much i really appreciate the work you do well, thank you very much for that. Um, just so that my audience knows, we have done these little bit of Amazon deals and we're getting ready to go into summer, guys. And I found mm-hmm. a really cool one. This is a Blackstone 1984 original. I mean, I'm sorry. Ni- it says a 1984 original style. It's 36 inches, shelf side wall, magnet strip, heavy duty, flat top griddle station. The one thing oh. I picked because guys, I know, right? The one I was thing like, what I does picked- it do? <laughs> well, this thing sounds fabulous. What does it do? Yeah, right? Exactly. I thought it was like, is it a TV? Is it but 1984? Well, <laughs> no, well it's, it's just an original. Yeah. It's a 36. It's supposed oh. to be that st- that day and age uh, format. Sure. And it's mm-hmm. camping out there tailgate. It's it's in black. Wow. And here's mm-hmm. the kicker, guys. It's 43% off from down from $499 to $284. If you're interested, I always have the link. Then I always try to find a deal over the day that's kind of intriguing and a little interesting. And since summer's coming, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that mm-hmm. we'll be out there grilling. Thank you so yeah. much to our guests once again. I really do appreciate you. you coming with us, Lisa. Thank you to our listeners. My, Until next time, pleasure. guys. Until next time. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>